For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. After moving up to the number one pick to get their number one quarterback, the Panthers have now invested and found their number one running back. That is Miles Sanders. Philadelphia Eagles on a four-year, $25 million contract, $13 million guaranteed. Hayden, we've talked about this with David Montgomery. We've talked about this with other running back signings. $13 million since 2020 is about the second largest guaranteed money. This is locking in Miles Sanders to me as the lead ball carrier on the Panthers for not just 2023, but also 2024. Yeah, what did you say? Two years, $13 million? That's only $6.5 million. I think we're at the point where we can't freak out over these running back contracts. And I think even though Miles Sanders isn't a complete player, I think that I like this contract for them. It was a complete empty spot. Chuba Hubbard can go into a little bit of a passing down role. But when I went back into this, Deuce Staley, who's obviously the running backs coach there, I looked back at Miles Sanders' season and how he was used back with Deuce Staley. And the one difference is he was catching passes those years. And obviously... That's probably because Jalen Hurts is he wasn't going to catch a whole bunch of passes with Jalen Hurts in the last couple of years. But Deuce Staley has had a little bit of experience trusting Miles Sanders. And I, I was a little bit fearful at first going into my research with this because Miles Sanders, DeAndre Swift, kind of similar skill sets and weakness and stuff. But I'm guessing that Deuce Staley was the one that brought yeah. him in. And I think that he's more optimistic with Miles Sanders versus someone like DeAndre Swift, who I think are parallel players, but I think obviously they trust their evaluation immediate reports after this deal was consummated. If that is the right term, um, that Deuce Staley played a major factor in this. Deuce Staley was his running backs coach in 2019 and 2020. If we can connect the dots even more, Josh McCown was his teammate in 2019, maybe future OC at some point, but I made the same des- designation and decision that, that you did of, if you look back at 2019 during his rookie year, Miles Sanders had 67 targets, 53 receptions. That went to 50 and 28 in his second season. And then just the past two years, it's been 28 targets, 21 receptions, 35 targets, and 29. I don't think that's because of his skills. I think it's because of the offense. Like you said, it's the clear shift over to Jalen Hurts, more RPOs to tight ends and wide receivers. And look, if your running backs coach, who had such a heavy hand, who, by the way, is also the assistant head coach on the team, in making calls on who was getting the rock where and in what roles with the Detroit Lions, he probably has that same responsibility here. And you and I, I think, have been critical but fair of Chuba Hubbard that at best he's just a guy. And Miles Sanders, while I think he's almost a difficult running back for me to explain, I would love to get your input on this. Like, How would you describe Miles Sanders and where he wins and what his strengths are and where his weaknesses are? He's a plus athlete and his play style plays into that. He can be a little bit too jumpy, but he's got burst out there. And uh, I think that he's got receptions in his profile. Um, So I I think I think that he's like a decent player. Is he like the biggest grinder power back? 
probably not, but his ability laterally is pretty yes. impressive. And obviously going from the Eagles, who is what the best offensive line in the league last year and over the last couple of years, basically Miles Sanders entire career. It is a downgrade to Carolina, but Carolina, I would say, is at best or at worst middle of the pack and probably possibly up to top five, top 10 as well. So I don't think that's going to be a big concern. And I think CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, the quarterback, I think both of them are mental quarterbacks. And I can see both of them kind of earlier in their career hitting a couple check downs here. Um, to the running back position. So I think this is a pretty good landing spot. I think that his ADP is going to climb on underdog. I see Miles Sanders as an athlete fluid who his vision sometimes fails him, but his athleticism can compensate for that. Like mm-hmm. if you look at his missed tackles forced last season, it was 52, 52 of them. Um, it was 21 the year before that, then 29 and then 31 as a rookie, 39 carries of 10 plus yards last season. Now, again, a lot of that, like you said, is about the blocking that he was afforded up front inside zone over and over. No one does it better than the Philadelphia Eagles. But dare I say, even though the Panthers and their offense was anemic last year, it was absolute dog crap. We got carries and games of Deontay Foreman of five for 118, 26 and 118, 31 and 130, 24 of 113, 21 and 165. It's a totally different offense, obviously. Uh, They're going to call things and run things very differently. But to me, that speaks to when you are favored in games and take the lead, this offensive line, which they're bringing back all five starters next season, can kick your ass. They can move you off the ball. And that is so important when we are talking about running back success. It is tied to offensive line success. Yeah, completely agree. They were not very good on offense, and they were middle of the pack, 16th overall when it comes to running back fantasy usage, and we can't really copy paste this data too much because it's different schemes here. But I think it's a signal that this is their guy. You know, they didn't have they don't have to bring Deonta Foreman back in. Uh, they said that they want to. and Maybe he makes sense as a little bit of a power back uh, to complement Miles Sanders. But this is their guy. The money means it. The history with the running back coach means it as well. So uh, very curious to see where he's going to end up right now on underdog. He's just ahead of the 100th overall pick right in the running back 25, 29 ish range. I think that he's going to get up to like the running back 20 ish range. JK Dobbins, similar type of players, but I think I trust the money and the health with Miles Sanders a little bit more. So like that Deandre Swift range, I think we're going to get into that territory. I don't think he's going to like hop Jameer Gibbs and stuff because I think the ceiling's relatively capped here. I would be surprised if he was like a top 10 fantasy running back, but I think running back two is kind of, going to be his range and i would view that this landing spot is a win in general there's also news out there that this doesn't completely take them out of the deontay foreman sweepstakes there was an offer on the table and a contract made for him that he has not signed yet miles sanders and deontay foreman are very different prospects and de- very different players um now i do want to bring up obviously last season and we keep talking about this with the eagles and jalen hurts and miles sanders so much of his impact was inside the 10 yard line We know that he and Jalen Hurts were tied for third most in the league of inside the 10-yard carries with 26. Now, if I can dig a bit deeper and try to uncover something, when Deuce Daly was his running backs coach in 2020 with the Philadelphia Eagles, Miles Sanders actually had a larger carry share, if, if that's the right term, for his team than he did last season. So he had that inside the 10-yard line in 2020 at 42%. Now, that only equaled 16 attempts. But I think it shows you that, look, 
the staff post Deuce Daly trusted him last year more than the Kenny Gainwells and the Boston Scots in that short yardage situation. And maybe the Panthers do that as well, because we're always searching for the high value touches. I think the Eagles, more than most uh, organizations, want role players and excel at those roles. And even if they're not a perfect player, they're going to put you in the right role. And maybe this coaching staff wants a more of a guy to carry yeah. instead of a rotation. So that's the there. There is an upside case. It's really going to come down to like how good is this rookie quarterback that they're going to be putting in there, and everything that's going to dictate the actual ceiling here. But I think an RB two with a little bit of a ceiling from there, and I would be surprised if he was not like a top 25 fantasy running back this year. And I think you and I can agree that where some of the touchdowns and inside the 10 yard opportunities will diminish, we think will go into the receiving game and can maybe close some of that gap. So you take a little bit of here and give him more here. And it's not the same usage that we've seen the last. And he was already, he was a running back 17 per game last year, 39th overall. So I think he's going to be a classic dead zone running back, but the difference between him and other, uh, dead zone running backs is he's not that old. He was like 26 years old, uh, 25 years old. And uh, he just got paid on the first year of his contract. I don't think he's going anywhere. So he's going to be 26 on May 1st. Um, He is the running back for the next two seasons. Now I think they can try to improve off of Juba Hubbard or again, bring back Deontay Foreman. It's expected. I think that is expected as well, but it's so clear that the running back coach wants Miles Sanders on the roster. And, Look, I am sick of the people out there whenever running back gets paid saying it's, oh, just too much. I think the NFL has it right. It's all baked in where this money is going right now and the guarantees. And if anything, they are one-year deals, one-and-a-half-year deals, two-year deals, and then incentive-laden on top of that. Um, and the, the age cliff isn't 25, 26 years old. The age cliff's like 28 years old. So they're going to get a two good years from Miles Sanders, and then they can make uh, team options from there. Okay. We already covered the Philadelphia Eagles side of this with our Rashad Penny video. Uh, His contract came out since then, and it is really just a one-year deal, almost a minimum. Um, It makes me wonder if something else, another domino is going to fall there, but it also could be Howie being Howie and seeing a great talent and basically having to pay him absolutely nothing and just Mm -hmm. hoping that it all aligns because if it does, it's going to be outstanding. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's it's an upside case. There's, I think they're going to add maybe a little bit of competition, but they did add Boston Scott, so maybe they're just like trusting those three. Uh, see if Trey Sermon can do anything. But obviously, yeah, the money wasn't there. We weren't expecting the money to be there. Uh, it's incentive laden. Uh, even the max upside is is not very much. But the the Eagles also kind of got ahead of this because I think maybe this Miles Sanders deal was a little bit more than we were expecting, and them getting Rashad Penny earlier uh, on that contract, I think, is just the Eagles being the Eagles, one of the best organizations in sports, Howie Roseman, maybe like the best general manager in all sports is so shrewd with all these moves. Uh, I think that he just got a good bargain. The Miles Sanders deal is going to be the biggest of any running back this offseason for free agent, mm-hmm. which is uh, pretty telling. Follow the money. Um, and I think everyone's just undervaluing where the running back demand was going to be. And at this point, all of this is going to correct on drafts right now. You know, the Patriots every so often have these really interesting player fits to team fits, just personality wise. And this one definitely qualifies. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster signs with the Patriots. Three years, $33 million, $22.5 million earned over the first two years. Let's just call that the guaranteed money, Hayden. Uh, What I take from this, it's nearly the identical contract to what Jacoby Myers got to depart to the Las Vegas Raiders. So I think on some level... Either Jacoby chose the Raiders over the Patriots or the Patriots chose Juju over Jacoby. 
And they're fairly similar players. They're both 26 years old. Their birthday is almost identical, by the way. Both six foot, both over 200 pounds. Both at this point, probably four, six, 40 type of wide receivers. They can play the Z in a pinch, but they're definitely slot receivers to some extent. Uh, they're being drafted fairly in the same range on underdog fantasy right now. So this is more or less the Spider-Man meme. Now, last year, Jacoby Myers, his yards per route run was at 1.9. Juju's was at 1.68. Obviously, Juju's playing with Patrick Mahomes. But Jacoby Myers is also playing with no other wide receivers around him. My whole thing for the Patriots side of this is that swap doesn't really mean that much to me. It's like whatever to me. They're not going to win or lose games because of this decision. To me, this isn't a huge enough investment to per, to basically box them out of, of adding another wide receivers. Devontae Parker last year, if his contract, not that expensive. Tyquan Thornton, I think, is going to be a starter for him. Uh, and then Juju Smith-Schuster, this could be a one-year deal. That's kind of how the Jacoby Myers thing is. So they can still add a big player, and this is just kind of like a guy that's going to run 500 routes for you. Yeah, this is all aesthetic and maybe all anecdotal. I almost feel like Juju is a little bit of a bulkier version of Jacoby and Jacoby can move a little bit better at this time. And I think a lot of people are wondering, yeah, he's still just 26 years old. He's been ridiculously productive since like his age 20 season entering the league. So who, who is Juju Smith-Schuster? And our buddy Matt Harmon has basically told us that he's the same player now as he was back then, but maybe with just less juice. Like yeah. he's always shined against zone coverage. As Harmon says here, he's cleared 81% success rate versus zone coverage in each of the last five seasons. And he's never been a strong performer down the field vertical or he's against press coverage and man-to-man coverage. Yes. He, he just doesn't have that shake, that wiggle, that fluidity. What's interesting to me is all throughout his time in Pittsburgh, he owned the slot and he dominated those slot snaps. Last year in Kansas City, when they would run all the different tight end packages and rotate all the other wide receivers, I'm guessing that was the first year ever that he played more outside wide receiver snaps than he did slot snaps. 532 compared to 358. With that said, there were also some games where Juju was invisible. Invisible. So I'm not going to call him a manufactured touch wide receiver, but I don't think that, especially now, he is the focal point of your passing game. He is one of the guys that can help you win. So to your point, hopefully Tyquan Thornton, hopefully they bring in someone else can take the next step because he's a member of the group instead of, to me, at least being the leader of the group. Completely agree. And even Jacoby Myers last year, I would say certainly was the leader of this pass catching group. They were still rotating with wide receivers into wide receiver sets. He was not a full-time player in those. They would get Nelson Aguilar in those. They would get a bunch of guys mixing in. And I think Juju is going to be competing with Tyquan Thornton for two wide receiver set snaps. And I think they're just going to rotate this around here. So I think like Matt Harmon said, to me, against zone coverage in the slot in a three wide receiver set, I think Juju provides value. If you're going to try to put him on the outside and win downfield and get explosive plays out of that, I think you're going to be searching for the wrong guy. So right now, for fantasy purposes, I have him in the wide receiver 40s, wider, low-end wide receiver 5-ish kind of range for him, and I don't think there's a big ceiling to chase. Now, that's kind of where uh, Jacoby Myers was last year. He was the wide receiver 36 per game, 79th overall. Uh, we're expecting this Patriots offense to get better, but... I'm still not ruling out a DeAndre Hopkins trade, a Brandon Cooks trade, something like that. Uh, Cortland Sutton, I, I've Jerry seen Judy. there. Jerry Judy's mentioned there. They have the 14th overall pick. 
Um, I will say that adding Juju Smith on this contract and then drafting Jackson Smith and Jigbo at the 14th overall pick wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But I'm still not even ruling that out because ultimately, if this is the Jacoby Myers contract, that's more or less a one-year deal with $11 million guaranteed and team options in years two and year three. Now, if we do think about the style of offense that Bill O'Brien should be bringing with where Mac Jones is successful of diagnosing coverages and just getting the ball out with good timing. Like that's how they're going to have to win. If they get zone coverage, that's, Juju a, good could, that's a really good fit. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think when it becomes a bit more difficult than that and you have to counter or go off script, then all of that is, is definitely going to struggle. They are still searching for the player to lift them up when you have to counter. And I will say, Tyquan Sporton is very, 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 very skinny and small. Yeah, he's a, he's a run blocker, though. That's what I was going to say, is they put him in two wide receiver sets right. and had him actually blocking right next to the line of scrimmage. So I don't think that just because he's tiny does not mean that he's not going to be a two wide receiver set player. And I think they're going to try to get him into this Jacoby Myers role more or less where he can, can can kick inside the slot, but he can be there in two wide receiver sets. I'm guessing that they think pretty highly of Taekwon Thornton once he learns the play playbook and gets a little bit stronger. Um, and we'll, well he's the most explosive up. element they have offensively right now, other than obviously only, Andre, the not, only, one thing. only one, not even by far. It's just the yep. only guy that they have with some speed. So I think Devonte Parker as your number four would be good for me. <laughs> and I think that they should have a number one receiver. We can see if they can get one in the draft. I don't think there's really a true X receiver in the draft. that would be comfortable at 14th overall. So actually yeah. for sure there's not. So you have to trade for one. Maybe you get a court in the sudden, like a tier three, tier four X receiver, or you go out and try to get DeAndre and Hopkins. I, I wouldn't totally listen to what's being pushed out there for how much the Broncos are asking for, for Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. I know it's been floated like first round picks. I don't think that they're getting a first round pick um, yeah. at all. Brandon cooks, you know, their paths have crossed in the past. I, Maybe potentially, but he's a little Taekwon Thornton E though. Yeah, like, but you know what you're gonna wise. get with Brandon Cooks. Right, let, let, let's put it that way. Um, what's intriguing to me is on the opposite end of this, Julius Smith Schuster departs the Kansas City Chiefs. And while again he was invisible for portions, he had a meaningful part in them winning the Super Bowl. Remember last offseason, well, really two offseasons ago, they tried to sign him and went back to Pittsburgh, only played five games. They got him underneath the salary cap last year in Kansas City on a heavily incentivized deal, if I'm recalling that correctly. Like the number was very small, and then yeah. all the incentives did not count towards the cap until they were achieved. Because he and was injured the fault the previous exactly. year. Exactly. And so Rap Sheet has already come out and reported that the Patriots basically outbid the Chiefs for Juju Smith Shooters, gave them too much money that the Chiefs couldn't go up and get. Now, my question is: sure, the Chiefs last year won a Super Bowl without an awesome wide receiver group. We've already heard from James Palmer who expected Juju Smith-Schuster to come back to this group that Kadarius Tony is going to be their wide receiver one. I'm not making that up. That was in his tweet. Go back and watch our videos. Now they have to keep MVS. Justin Watson's still a free agent. Who knows what they're getting from Sky Moore. I feel like they have to have an ad one piece. Could it be a Mikkel Hardman back? Even though that this isn't the same type as Juju. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. not that many solid wide receivers even out there in free agency. I feel yeah, like. I think it just kind of depends on the price point. I think they got outbid for Juju Smith Schuster. I think Juju would welcome to come back to the Chiefs. Obviously, seemed like he enjoyed his experience, got a ring out of it. Uh, like Paris Campbell could be a cheaper version of McCall Hardman, uh, type of thing. Or is it just Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony? There's your slot options and go find an X receiver. 
put MVS as the deep threat at Z. You have your Kadarius Tony, who could possibly be an outside receiver at the very worst. I think you're looking at a dynamic gadget player when he's healthy. And maybe they go find a different type of body. Maybe you don't need the Juju Smith-Schuster body in the slot. Why don't you just go go get DJ Shark? Go get Odell Beckham. Get one of those guys. Could we get a 30-year-old Jarvis Landry in Kansas City? I know there's not much left. I'm just like yeah. going down this list. Darius Slayton on that team. Might be isn't Sky Moore? Can Sky Moore just do Juju Smith-Schuster things? I mean, that's what he's drafted to do. I mean, he, <laughs> yeah. he easily could not. I watched him. I, he, I like. I just think body type wise, yeah. Sky Moore and Juju were were doing the the Spider Man meme pointing thing again. I, I just think if Juju leaves, you have options in the slot. I don't think the Chiefs are going to be looking at just the Juju Smith Schuster body type. I think you can kind of explore yeah, yeah, yeah. other types out there for sure. Because again, Juju honestly is like a narrow skill set player. Mm-hmm. Um, you can always improve on that. All right, I think that's it. Kadarius Tony, wide receiver forty. You you buying? Is is that where he's going right now? Can you pull up the draft? The the yeah, Kadarius Tony is is eighty first overall right now. Yeah. Wide receiver forty one. Uh, Sky Moore, wide receiver sixty one. MVS people are pretending he doesn't even exist. By the way, they can cut MVS if they want to. But they I think, won't. like you said, they're just running out of bodies. Like, and I think MVS would probably make more money than what he's uh, due this year, just because of how poor the free agency class is. Have you ever been on vacation after a long day of activities or sightseeing? You have a night in room service, bathrobes, and television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have. And you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series. And when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals slash underdog or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right. Three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals slash underdog. The gyration king, the man of 17 rushing touchdowns last year, has a new home. Jamal Williams joins the New Orleans Saints. A pretty nice deal. Three years, $12 million, including $8 million fully guaranteed. We'll compare this to the Dave Montgomery contract a bit later with the Detroit Lions. I think there's some details to go through there. But Hayden, this is a really interesting fit because all the way dating back to the Sean Payton days in New Orleans, it's been a two-headed monster. I mean, even when Alvin Kamara was drafted, you had Mark Ingram and Adrian Peterson, who they dealt away, and then Alvin Kamara. Then it's Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. And now... On some level, the hope is Alvin Kamara and Jamal Williams. So how does the guy who scores 17 touchdowns last year fit now in this backfield? It's a perfect complement role. Just looking at inside the 10 yard line carries, Alvin Kamara only had eight of them last year. And if it's inside the five yard line, he only had three. That was actually less than Taysom Hill had, which is absurd. Um, and Alvin or Jamal obviously had 45 inside the 10. Yeah. So he, he's going to be the guy that's in that Mark Ingram role. And this is historically just how this 
offense has operated. And remember, this is the same coaching staff going back to those days as well. I think this is what they needed to do. They had to bring Alvin Kamara kind of back into his natural role because the last two years has not been very good for Alvin Kamara on a per touch basis over the last two years, 3.9 yards per carry 6.5 yards per target. He's had 250 touches or more in five straight years wow. and coming into the league. He was kind of a space back. That's what we kind of thought he was. He was catching hundred passes and he had about 150 uh, rushes the last couple of years. They kind of got away from that. And especially with this pending suspension, I think this is a better skill set for Alvin Kamara at this stage of their career, especially with Derek Carr, who I think is probably going to be able to check the ball down versus like Jameis and Taysom and all the mess they've had recently. So just looking at some of their numbers, it's odd that Jamal Williams and Alvin Kamara had some nearly identical stats, despite them being very different players. I'm sure everyone watching on YouTube right now can just see these highlights of Jamal Williams. None of this makes you think of who Alvin Kamara is at his peak. But you look at it, and the yards after contact are somewhat identical with Jamal Williams getting 2.78 per carry, Alvin Kamara getting 2.72. Heck, even their 10-plus yard runs, Alvin Kamara only had 20 last season. Jamal Williams had 22. And like that should be Alvin Kamara's game. I think a big part of it, though, is just the offense as a whole. right? The offense as a whole last year sucked for the Saints. The coaching sucked for the Saints. It's weird, though, because this team has invested so much along the offensive line. And you can argue if some have been really successful, you know, obviously Ryan Ramchick is one of the best right tackles in the league. You can argue with yourself about the likes of Andrews Pete, who they probably shouldn't keep kicking the can down every single year and Cesar Ruiz. But like, I feel like this is a big sweeping change offseason for the Saints just from like a leadership and personality standpoint. Maybe they felt like they've lacked that since the Sean Payton days. And so you bring in Derek Carr, and we know his ownership on an offense. And you bring in Jamal Williams, who I didn't watch much hard knocks, but if you like read between the lines of all these beat writers, he was the heart and soul of that team from the jump yep. and was a huge reason in-house for them to have some belief, even despite starting the season off so poorly. And if they are going to be getting rid of Mark Ingram, this is going to be the exact replacement. Uh, if Alvin Kamara gets suspended, let's say it's four to six games. And I think everyone, everyone's kind of under the assumption. I think that's why they paid a little bit of a, a premium here without that much cap space for Jamal Williams. Just looking at it, Jamal Williams throughout his career, he's had 27 games with 15 plus carries. He's had 15 career games with five plus targets. He's had 11 career games with 66 percent of the total snaps he's not the ideal three down back but i think in a pinch you can get away with it and if they have to do that to start the season they have the entire offseason to prepare him for it so i think jamal and alvin Kamara at this point i don't think either of them have that much juice and going back to those numbers they were talking about comparing those jamal williams and alvin Kamara, i don't think he's as fast and i don't think he's yeah. as elusive as he once was but maybe he gets a little bit more of that back because he's not you know, on pace for like 300 touches. If they can get him back into that pace where it's 200 touches over the course of the season, I think that would be better for the offense as a whole. But you said the big thing, the coaching staff kind of drives us both a little bit crazy here. They were dead last in uh, fourth down aggressiveness. They were 29th in pass rate. They were 29th in pace. Going back to the Alvin Kamara stuff, they were 29th in 20 plus yard runs. So they got to fix this offense entirely. They, they Definitely the skill guys are better for it. 
Uh, but the coaching staff, you are on my radar. Yeah, and they were, what, like 31st in play action rate at the same time? To your point of just about pure workload, we're just talking about carries here. Alvin Kamara had 223 last year, and Jamal Williams had 262. Um, I don't think we're going to see a backfield of 500 carries split, I hope between, not. <laughs> split between these two guys. Um, there was a slight difference. Look, in the carries were somewhat similar. But Alvin Kamara had about 30 more zone scheme runs, whereas Jamal Williams lived in the gap scheme in Detroit and had 80 more gap scheme runs last year. So we might Goal have line. to see. Yes, we might have to see a bit more of the changes in that. Look, mm-hmm. we love Jamal Williams. He was one of Hayden's best calls prior to last season, suggested some possible outcomes, and he even topped the top end projections that we gave him. I will say this though, like among these free agent running backs, I know the 17 touchdowns stand out, but like if we're talking between the twenties, I don't think Jamal Williams is the kind of rusher that Dave Montgomery is. I don't think Jamal Williams is the kind of rusher that Miles Sanders is. And I might even add more to that list, but I don't want to be rude here. So he's like a really good role player, an awesome personality, an easy guy to fall in love with. And I just hope he gets to exceed in that role. And because the rest, he's just kind of average in, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. But I think that's why he's a good compliment to Alvin Kamara, because Alvin Kamara is like the, the anti-thesis yeah. to all of that stuff, where he can be the guy that's out in space, give you book between the 20 stuff. And they they haven't really given Alvin Kamara the goal line role in, for a little bit now. He had that a massive game at the goal line, obviously, and he's had a couple of good touchdown years. Um, but I think, yeah, we know what we're getting. Jamal Williams is going to be the goal line back. He's going to be the lead back when Alvin Kamara gets suspended. There's value in that in best ball right now. Um, but in a perfect world, neither of them are 250 touch players yeah. at this point. While you're pulling up where these players are going right now, if you could do that, mm-hmm. uh, I do have a question because everyone's going to ask about it. It's going to be a talking point all off season. Now that the video was out, it was never going to be suspended last year for Alvin Kamara. He will probably miss some games, whether it's one to six. Let's just put a estimate on all of it. How much should that change someone like Jamal Williams ADP this offseason when he goes into a season knowing that he is going to get one, two, three to six starts and own the backfield in those games? Yeah, so we're pricing that in on underdog right now as ADP for Alvin Kamara is the running back 28. That's 94th overall. I think that's probably where he's going to settle. I think when the official suspension comes in, his ADP is probably going to drop a little bit. It might drop a little bit with Jamal Williams being in town because the goal line projection, the upside case with that at least, takes a little bit of a hit. And then for Jamal Williams, uh, he's been the running back 35. Kind of I think in that, that expectation was kind of that he was going to go back to Detroit. That's what everyone you know, Mm -hmm. assumed heading into free agency. So I think that impacts that a little bit. Like Dave Montgomery, to me, I would take head and shoulders ahead of Jamal Williams right now. We're still we're still pricing in all the moves. David Montgomery was way lower on this list. And even with one day of updating the ADPs, it's shot up. So David Montgomery is in a completely different tier, but like AJ Dillon, Jamal Williams, I think we're in the general ballpark. Brian Robinson. Uh, Yeah. Kareem. I'm not sure if Kareem Hunt's going to get a bunch of money this off season. So I don't think that his ADP should swing too much. Um, I will say, I think that in the first month of the season, I wouldn't be surprised if he's, you know, the running back 20 in week by week rankings. And then he plummets to like desperation, flex status, touchdown or bust. Um, but this comes back to how much do you trust this coaching staff? 
How much do you trust this offensive line? How much do you trust Derek Carr? Is Michael yeah. Thomas healthy? And that's, that's the other thing about Alvin Kamara is all of a sudden, you know, you have Chris Olave, Michael Thomas is back. I think Juwan Johnson is something. Yeah. Uh, Taysom Hill is not going to be playing quarterback at all anymore. You have Derek Carr and they re-signed Jameis Winston, but they're still paying Taysom a, a bunch of money. So if he's not playing quarterback snaps, is he going to play a little bit of running back? Is he going to play a little bit of wildcat? Who knows what that role is, but he takes a little bit of the pie away. So I'm not all that optimistic about kind of any of this, to be honest. I'm fine with Jamal Williams. He's literally my favorite player in the entire NFL right now. His ADP is fine. Alvin Kamara's ADP has been mostly priced in at this point. Uh, I am a little bit nervous about Alvin Kamara, 28 years old. Jamal yeah. Williams, 28 years old. We've seen the best of their seasons the last couple of years. It really does show you the differences between each team and their successes. Just to end this how you began it. With Taysom Hill leading the Saints with 12 carries inside the 10-yard line last year, which is a 46% team share. And we know that Jamal Williams had 45 carries inside of the 10-yard line. It's crazy how different, like, and that's where the touchdowns come from, and that's where fantasy yeah. points come from. Just offensive-based, as yeah. simple as that sounds. I hope we do this podcast for another 10 years, but this Jamal Williams season from last year it's might ridiculous. be my all-time favorite i had the videos early on we were on him on the offseason his yep. hard knock stuff came to fruition it was one of just the most perfect uh indications of the entire year we always do like to talk about the other team we already did an entire video on dave montgomery joining the lions but that was before we got the contract details of jamal williams and it actually gives me a bit more perspective on david montgomery that i actually think they prioritized him over Jamal Williams. Certainly. And so to me, that means the expectations are going to be even bigger than what Jamal Williams got last season. Like I expect Dave Montgomery to play a larger role. I'm not saying as many touchdowns, but I'm saying like maybe more in the passing game, you know, yep. because the differences are again, Jamal Williams, three years, $12 million, 8 million guaranteed. Compare that to David Montgomery's three years, $18 million with 11 million guaranteed. Yeah. It's it's the exact takeaway that I had as well. Yeah, I'm I'm still like wondering if DeAndre Swift's on the trade markets or something because they made such a huge commitment to David Montgomery. They chose him over Jamal Williams. Both as a huge Jamal Williams fan, both of us are. We both are on team David Montgomery. If you're just watching the skill sets and what you can provide, because David Montgomery can still do the goal line role, but he's got a little bit more wiggle, uh, not dance moves wiggle like Jamal Williams, but a little bit wiggle out in space. Um, so yeah, very bullish on David Montgomery just in general. Hayden pointed out all the ADPs right now on underdog fantasy. There's no better time to draft than this moment. Uh, everything is still changing. You can take Dave Montgomery probably eight or 10 running back spots later than where he will end up going. Let's say two weeks from now, the links in the description, use promo code. The show will match your first deposit up to $100. And there are drafts right now for a million dollar tournament. If you've never played best ball, now is the time to do it. All you do is draft. You don't have to worry about your team after that. It's the best part of fantasy football. Easy peasy. Easy peasy. Thanks to Weaves for cutting all the highlights for us. Thanks to all of you for watching and subscribing to the channel. Has your wife left you yet? <laughs> we'll see. And we'll see you next time.